Welcome to the Blue Bloods Podcast. A college game time production. Quarterback draw. He's got a running room. And a first down. Watch out. He's got getaway speed. Touchdown. That game on last night had me sweating. I couldn't believe it. It was college game time. A couple of Blue Bloods out competing. College game day Saturdays. Big time players making plays. All I really need is another weekend full of back to back games. Just me and my friends, man. I love college. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love college. Yes, sir. Back. We are back. Another episode of the Blue Bloods podcast, episode 38, week two is in the bag, week three is on the horizons. Man, we got a lot to talk about, but B. Holmes, I mean, you dressed for the occasion, so (laughs) if you're not watching on YouTube, he's uh, got his Nebraska football shirt on. If you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscribe, and uh, B. Holmes, that's where we're starting. Let's take us, take us there. Oh man, um, it's a sad, sad day in Lincoln. I, you know, Scott Frost, he was let go. Was it yesterday? He was let go. Um, um, yes, it was Sunday. It was yeah. Sunday. Sunday. If, so this is Monday. So yes, Sunday. Man, you know they finally let him go. What after five years? It's it's sad to see, man, because he came in with a lot of hype, well deserved from what he did at UCF. Yeah, um, won a national championship. Yeah, won the national championship at UCF. He outhit Michigan, um, you know, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know the. It, it's funny. I used to not like Scott Frost till we started developing a Nebraska like fan base, right. um, and I, and I wanted it to work. Um, I really did because it, it's the feel good story. Like you want it to work, you want it to look good, and uh, Nebraska. I mean. They let him go. I thought they were going to at least wait to the first where the buyout cut in half. But I think enough was enough, man, to get blown out. I mean, not blown out, but you you gave up the most yards ever in Memorial Stadium mm-hmm. history to Georgia Southern, to Clay mm-hmm. Helton, who just, like, lost his job from USC not too long ago. I mean, it could be – it can't be worse. That This is the worst. Yeah, and I think that if you saw him right after that game, and I think I tweeted this. He knew. I mean, the look on his face, he mm-hmm. knew he was gone. And I don't know if there was some sort of conversation that was happening or if he just knew the way they just played, the fact they lost that game. And, yeah, to your point, <clears throat> getting rid of him before the buyout decreases shows that they're sending a message that it ain't about money. This ain't a money move. This is – we're sending a message that – I think one, and I want to talk about this as we get into the interim coach, one, maybe the season is still salvageable. Yeah. But then two, it's showing everybody in America money. Money is not the issue here at the University of Nebraska or Nebraska University, whatever it is. Um, Sorry, Cornhusker fans, if I... Yeah. I I tend to get (laughs) corrected a lot when I put the university on the wrong side of the university name, so... I think, I think it is they're the actually, University of Nebraska. That sounds but, better. But, but aren't they in you? Yeah, that? but I don't think no one says Nebraska University. I think I don't either. 
Regardless. Okay. Yeah, regardless. Regardless. I got I got called regardless. out on that for Notre Dame, and I still don't know if I think it's Notre Dame University, but I might have said University of Notre Dame. I thought it was University of Notre Dame. I don't know. Who cares? It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, um, they're showing that here in Lincoln, money's not money ain't a thing, as Jay Z and Jermaine Dupree once famously said. But so let's talk about Mickey Joseph, the interim yeah. head coach. First, well, you want to talk about it because we were texting about this. Uh, it's a yeah. history-making hire, essentially, it for is. that Was school. First African-American head coach in any sport. Um, man, I mean, wow. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, kudos to Mickey, Mickey Joseph, man. Um, he played at, at University of Nebraska. Um, now you got me thinking it's in Nebraska University because it is in you. Um, he played there. Huge recruiting guy, man, down in his time at LSU. He's the reason why they got a lot of these SEC transfers. Um, yep. I mean, he's a recruiting genius on the recruiting trail. Big part of landing Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, Anthony Gant, uh, or Grant. All those guys that came in, he was a big part of putting like a bow on this transfer recruiting class. Um I don't like I, I don't I think he had some like NAIA head coaching experience when I did yeah, some research Langston. on him. Um yeah, yeah Langston, but I, I I don't I don't know. Like I I think he might just get the interim title, but I think they're going to kind of go out and get somebody that they want. I I don't see and I don't know, that's why we'll let it play out and I don't know enough about Mickey Joseph to probably make a full um dissection of this. I just don't see him being like the person that they end up committing to at the end. Um I just don't. Um it it doesn't sound like he like I think especially after the failed Scott Frost experiment of hiring one of your former guys to do it, mm-hmm. I I don't know if that's what they're going to I feel like Trev Alberts and those guys are probably going to go in a completely different direction. And I have some names too that I think they're kind of going to go after, so. Well, oddly enough, we talked about some names in our season preview almost as if we knew this was inevitable for scott frost i think there's a couple interesting uh angles for this mickey joseph situation okay um you mentioned his recruiting ties that's because he was a high school coach both in the state of no he wasn't yeah he was a high school coach in nebraska and in louisiana um, he was the receivers coach on that 2019 team that had guys like Jefferson, Jamar Chase, um, and obviously the got drafted. Argue, uh, oh, well, is it uh, Tolliver or something like that? He played yeah, for yeah, the yeah, yeah, Panthers, yeah, yeah. I think, second round. Um, but arguably the greatest offense in college football history, led by Joe Burrow. But So he has the inroads there. I agree with you. But I saw an interesting, I don't remember who I saw say this, but they, they, they made the parallel to Dabo Swinney. They said, could Mickey Joseph be Nebraska's Dabo Swinney? Which if you remember, Swinney was a special teams coordinator. I think he was receivers coach or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it Bowden he was under? Got fired early in the season. Swinney so, took yeah. over. And... Whereas I don't think he's getting back to Mickey Joseph. I don't think he's the number one option, obviously. However, the stage that's been set is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Because if he beats OU in his 
Nebraska head coaching debut, who is, I think, with the latest polls, the number six team in the country. Yep. I think you have to at least look now. You have to at least, at least if you weren't taking him seriously as a, as a candidate, now you're going, hmm, okay, yeah. he's got my attention. And then kind of see how the rest of the season plays out. The difference, though, for those of you that might be Nebraska fans that might be thinking, hey, this could be our Dabo, the difference, I believe, is this. The AD at some point early in Dabo's interim tenure sat him down and said, this is your program, make the tough decisions. And then that's yeah. when he started getting rid of assistant coaches. You know, And then the next season he brought in his guys and um, – obviously went on to build what he's built at Clemson. So I think this weekend's a big game for, for, for him. I mean, how crazy is that? Like you, you get named interim head coach at your alma mater. And then your first game is against a historical rival who is top 10 in the country, you know? And, and, and Nebraska's not short on talent. I mean, offensively, they look great this year. Um, we we just know defensively, and they they played OU tight last year. Um, mm-hmm. So you just it's the thing with Nebraska for like the last three seasons. You it's like they're always in the game, and then it's one costly play, and you're like, oh my god! Like as we the running joke has been all last year, they're the best three and nine team we've ever seen, like in yeah. the history of college football. <laughs> if three and nine teams lay let were put in the playoff, they <laughs> would definitely win the na- the national title on that. Um, so. I'm interested to see the games in Lincoln. Um, so I think the home crowd will be there. They sell out every game. The energy will be right. We'll see if Mickey can get these boys gassed up and ready to play and uh, make some critical adjustments. Um, I'm pulling for him. I think it'd be cool, obviously, because history is being made, and I, I would like to see him do well. Um, so I, I, I'm interested, but I think, you know, I like you said, maybe it is a dabble situation. I don't think so. I think – Alberts has to kind of knock this higher out of the park because um, this is defining his tenure as AD. Like, this is his guy who he's going to hire. Mm-hmm. So, um, unless Mickey Joseph just blows us away for the rest of the season, and I think they'll give him a fair shake. So, I, I'll say that. I think they're very loyal because Trev played at, uh, at Nebraska. I think he's going to give Mickey a fair shake. It might give him a fair shake at interviewing for the job, especially – especially if he gets these guys to a bowl game. I think he, I think for him to be taken seriously, he has to get Nebraska to a bowl game, and then I think he gets a shot, at least at interviewing. Um, but I know Trev, like, this is his this is his big decision as an AD. you got to knock this out of the park because they haven't really been relevant since, honestly, Pelini. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, honestly, Mickey Joseph, his interview starts this weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, this is this is stage one. I, I – <clears throat> Let me ask you this. What would he have to do? Because I think it's more than a bowl game. But what would he have to do to get them to drop the interim title and just name him the head coach of Nebraska football? Um, I think – so I'm looking at their schedule. So right now, how many games do we have left? We have one, Ten, two, three, four, five, nine. six, seven, eight. They have nine games. <sighs> Dude, if he went seven and two, I think if he goes seven and two, which is doable, like I'm looking at the schedule now, it's 
I mean, we don't know if they'll be oh if they beat OU, I think we're getting off on the right foot. But let's yeah. say they drop OU, which <laughs> they're supposed to do. You have Indiana. I think it's a very winnable game. Rutgers, that's a winnable game. Um Purdue, that's mm. gonna be a toss up. Is that home but or away? It's away, so it's at Purdue. That's why I'm mm. like it's really more of a toss up. Um Illinois, which isn't a slouch, but I believe that's winnable from a talent perspective. Minnesota, I haven't seen enough on them on tape to believe mm. that they're really back yet. Um, Michigan, and it's at the big house. I don't think that's winnable. Um, and then UW and Iowa. like, uh, mm. And they're both – UW is at Lincoln, um, and Iowa is Iowa. It doesn't matter where you play. So I think he could, he could go anywhere 7-2. to two. I think he would have to go 7-2 to two to drop the interim tag. He has to. There's nothing – below that he has to be OU or Michigan I think yeah so I guess maybe with that statement I'm saying he I'm saying eight and one I mean yeah. if they're gonna give him that job I don't know we can move on seven and two seven and two would be my thing um I, I mean obviously we throw some names out there I, I just don't think he gets it I think he gets to stick on staff personally whoever comes mm-hmm. in would be oh they'd be crazy not, not smart to keep tonight. him not to keep him on board. Um, yeah. I I think they – I mean, I'm with you, bro, and I was talking to some people about it this weekend. They're probably going to go – if I'm them, the first person I'm on the phone with is Mark Stoops. Yeah. I don't even let this weekend go by. <laughs> I'm calling Mark Stoops. Like, you can finish your season at Kentucky if you want, but you have a blank check to come here. Yeah, I mean, he's finishing the season, obviously. I mean, they're top ten right now. He has Kentucky yep. football in the top ten. Just got another win in Gainesville, uh, which we'll talk about here in the next segment. But I think Mark Stoops, Luke Fickle, I'll tell you what. I don't think about Fickle. Having a parallel now of watching Arkansas play Cincinnati and watching Arkansas play an SEC opponent, South Carolina, hands down, Cincinnati was a more physical team, period. Yeah, That's coaching. And that's what Nebraska's missing. Um, so yeah. And then I saw this somewhere on Twitter that Matt Campbell is interested, but man, I saw that too. I don't know how excited that gets me. I mean, he's done some great things at Iowa state. Don't get me wrong. I feel like his window's over. It might be. I I feel like his window, you you remember like it was like that three years where everyone was just like on the Matt Campbell train? Yes, including including you? Including me. I was big on Matt Campbell. Yeah. But I I feel like he didn't take the window he had. And obviously we'll see how things play out. But I feel like he didn't maximize his opportunity to capitalize Mm -hmm. off what he had created. Um, I think it's because now it's just like, oh, it's Matt Campbell. You know, but two two seasons. Last se- two seasons, two off seasons ago, let's say that I was high. Everybody was high on Matt Campbell. It was like, where's he going? It was him and Fickle. Remember, mm-hmm. Fickle's coming on the end of Cincinnati, and it's like they had all these openings coming, and everyone's wondering. So, um, I didn't think about Luke Fickle. I think that would be a great hire by Nebraska, personally. Yeah, that would put the Big Ten West on notice. Yeah, easy, easy. and um. I think with Mark Stoops, because I thought about this over the weekend. He now has some leverage 
to get the things he's wanting out of Kentucky to get those things right. There was obviously the back and forth between him and Calipari. Kentucky's never going to be considered a football school over basketball. I don't care how many top 10 finishes or whatever times you're in the top 10. It's just not going to happen. There's just too much rich history and tradition with Kentucky. It's kind of like you'll never get Alabama to be considered a basketball school. Right. 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 And so I'm wondering if now that this job is open and obviously he would be a quality candidate. Is he now going to use this as a way to show Kentucky, say, look, I got options here. I know I've been here for the yeah. last decade and this is where I'm rooted. This is where I want to be. But if we're not going to do X, Y, and Z for our football program, then I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And that's a lot of times what coaches will do in these situations, not the coaches themselves, but their agent, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. I don't know. Well, let's get to the top 25 matchups. We had three of them in week two. Uh, Tennessee, Pitt, Kentucky, Florida, Baylor, BYU. Baylor, BYU ended at 1.45 a.m. Central I time. I was knocked out. Dude, I watched <laughs> that game. I committed. Did you? And I stayed up. I, I had church in the morning. I was done. Yeah, I did too. In fact, my wife was singing at church, so which meant that I was at home with my, you know, wild one-year-old but i thought no i'm committing to this um and i was a zombie for most of the second half but i guess if we want to work in reverse on these games here's the, the main thing that stuck out to me with baylor again i was a zombie defensively they they seem to be par with what they were last year solid mm-hmm. offensively shaping right he was the guy yeah. that came in for Bohannon in the Big 12 championship. Yep. Set the record for com- straight completions. I mean, went crazy on Oklahoma State. I didn't see that same Yeah. Not I didn't see that same guy. I didn't see the same usage of that guy. Right? Mm-hmm. He was pushing the ball downfield. He was making big plays in that Big 12 championship. But it, against BYU, it was just a lot of checkdowns, a lot of um, screens. I don't know if they were running screens. It seemed like, again, like I said, I'm, I'm half asleep through the second half. They just weren't really looking to make a big play and drive the ball down the field. And it was a very, you know, tight defensive battle for the entire game. And then in overtime, and there were some missed kicks. Um as well, but BYU ended up winning. Look, I get it. That's a tough place to play, especially that Probably. late when you're on, you know, different time zone. Uh, I've been saying this from an Arkansas standpoint. I've been saying it coming up and telling all my family, everybody that that I know. I'm like, guys, this BYU game we have at BYU midseason scares me a little bit. Ah, no, nah, we're gonna yeah. take care. Of, we're gonna handle. I'm like, I'm just mm. saying. I, I, yeah. I'm not saying we're like, I think we're going to lose. I'm just saying that is going to be a tough game. And right. Right. Here's what's here's a bold <clears throat> prediction for you while I'm just on this tangent. Go for it. If BYU can manage to stay undefeated. And I guess Arkansas would really have to pull off. Arkansas would have to beat Bama, but if Arkansas in some way, could stay undefeated. We could see college game day in Provo, Utah that weekend. That would be kind of fun. That would be pretty epic. Even though game days, I didn't even watch it this last week, but whatever. Me neither. Um, so 
back to the game. Baylor, they lose. I don't remember if it was overtime yeah. or double overtime, but it was kind of one of those deals. I was like, finally, thank God this game's over. I can go to sleep now. Yeah. But, <laughs> so, and then I jumped BYU up to, I think, number 12 in the latest yeah, I, AP. I the rankings, yeah. Yeah, and they, I mean, they've got a, uh, gosh, they've got Notre Dame, which we'll talk about them. They have a pretty, I don't know. I don't have their schedule in front of me. Who are they getting ready to play? Oh, Oregon. They're getting ready to play Oregon, I think. Yes. So they have um, Oregon, then Wyoming, then Utah State, then Notre Dame, then Arkansas. Yeah. Liberty, East Carolina, Boise State, Utah Tech, and Stanford. I'm maybe even a one loss, depending on who else is playing that weekend, even maybe a one loss Arkansas and an undefeated BYU, eh, whatever. I don't want to get too far into that. So that Baylor BYU. And then we had uh, before that Kentucky, Florida. Did you catch any of that one? I did. I caught a little Kentucky Florida. Man, you know, that's why we love college football because week one, I think everybody's ready to to, to crown Anthony Richardson the number one overall draft pick. Um, the next. I was hearing this thrown around Twitter that whole week one game against Utah. The next Cam Newton. Yeah. That's all you that's, saw. That's that's all you saw. Next Cam Newton with the with the jump pass where he turned around and it was electric. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I was like, you know, I was a little I was a little hype. And I was excited to see what this um I was excited to see this matchup because you got Will Levis, who's everyone saying is gonna be a first round draft pick, potentially could be one of the first two off the board. Mm-hmm. Um Based on arm strength, prototypical QB size, you know, the whole stuff. And, man, like and, – and, and I didn't think Kentucky could pull it off because they were, they were on the road. So, it's mm-hmm. like – and it's Kentucky, you know. Um, but, man, them boys look good, man. They, they look ready to play. Um, they came out and they, they played tough football. They, they, and they made Richardson look human, which I think was the key to everything, is if you can contain him and make him look human – and make him look pedestrian, you're going to win that football game. So, I mean, I was really impressed with Stoops, man. I, I think more than ever I'll say this to go back on the Mark Stoops train is this is for him an audition because we know every year there's going to be some big uh, – there's going to be some openings. And I think this season, though, we got some – this offseason, you got to think you got Nebraska wide open. We know that's there. You have to think Notre Dame potentially could be open at the end of the season, even though we have a theory on who they really want to go get. Um, <laughs> that and who who else knows what other openings are going to open up? I mean, college football offseason is completely crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, man, I thought it was a phenomenal game. But most importantly, man, it's just a testament to who Mark Stoops is and what he built at Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Like the dude has built a contender. They are a straight contender. And I don't think I've ever said that in my life about Kentucky football. Um, so, great game. I think, you know, Napier is doing a good job at Florida. I think it kind of leveled the expectation of what everybody thought kind of was getting ready to happen. Because, you know, after week one, you even called it. You're like, the Florida hype train, we're back. And, you know, everyone's saying we got the next Cam Newton. And then next thing you know, my man was looking not good. So, good game. Um, but shot, I was – Super impressed with Kentucky. Super impressed with Will Levis. Um, yes. To me, he looked every bit, every bit of a first round draft, uh, first round quarterback in his yes. upcoming draft. Like every bit of it. It actually had me kind of like, ooh, I hope the Lions, which I know they were there scouting. Um, like I would actually like this guy. Like he fits the Detroit mold. So, well, I was he, impressed. He, he's kind of a Josh Allen two point oh. You know, yeah. big body. He can run through you. Huge arm. 
Here's where I think he's going to set himself apart from a draft perspective is the scheme he's in. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I love watching Kentucky's offense just because it's it's basically the Shanahan McVay. Yeah. I've talked about this before, but <clears throat> it's that offense at the college level, and it's just interesting how you know football, college football, as far as offense is concerned has just evolved and then you know you go way back in the day and everybody either ran the option the triple option or the power eye right and then kind of in the late 80s getting into the 90s the pro style offense which was like this cutting edge offense to be used (laughs) in college football because there's only one running back and teams are in the shotgun and guys like Dennis Erickson came in and there were others who 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 uh you know brought that that style to the collegiate level. And then you get a little bit later in the 90s and you got these crazy guys at Kentucky who are throwing the ball like 50 times a game, talking about mm-hmm. Mike Leach and Hal Mummy running the air raid. And so then it's like you had the pro style, which was like this cutting edge. You still had teams running the triple option. You still had teams in the power eye. And then you had like these outliers running this air raid. And then as you get into the 2000s, right, the spread offense starts yep. to become a little more potent in college yep. football. And so then all of a sudden you get to a point where if you're running a pro style offense, you're, you're outdated. Like you're, right. you're, 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 uh, you know, you're, you're ancient, you're, yeah. you're a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden the pro style offense, like actual NFL offense is started implementing college offensive philosophies into mm-hmm. their schemes. For example, Andy Reed sending a guy to scout Texas tech's system what the year that Pat Mahomes was, you know, waiting his yeah. turn. And then all of a sudden they, he meshed a lot of those concepts with what he already does. So, so then you now the big cutting edge offense in football now is that sort of Shanahan McVay, Kyle Shanahan, I'm talking about yeah. uh, Sean McVay, like what those guys are doing. That's what every team in the NFL, they're looking for a coach who will run that. Right. You got Cincinnati, uh, hired McVay's assistant, put Burrow in there, they go to the Super Bowl. And I mean, yeah. I don't I'm not gonna go through the whole list, but there's just a ton of head coaches right now in the NFL who are of that tree. And it seems like Stoops is the first guy that's saying, hey, let's bring this into the college level, which it's a pro style offense, but now yep. the it it's a pro style offense that's considered this cutting edge and they go under center, they go shotgun, they you know, I mean, it's just the same little single back where every play looks the same, right? And everything's yep. coming off a of play action and uh, out of the pistol, whatever. And I just, I really enjoyed watching that scheme. And as I'm watching, I'm thinking, I'm wondering if we're about to start seeing this more throughout uh, college football as Kentucky yeah, continues to, because they did a similar thing last year as well. It was a different coordinator. I think last year's coordinator came from McVeigh. This year's coordinator came from the 49ers. Um, anyways, but that's that. Then you got Tennessee Pitt. Uh, I There were so many other games I think I had on at that point where I think I maybe caught the finish of that yeah, game. Yeah, caught the back end of that. Um, I, I, I just want to see Tennessee in conference play before I really start to – I think they have a power, high-powered offense. Yep. Um, but I want to see them. I want to see them in conference play. Yeah, same. I caught the tail end of it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'm with you. Let's just see what happens when they get to the SEC because I feel like everyone's. We know how it is in college football. Uh huh. 
Especially you, right you, now. Yeah, especially right now. Like, everything's going. So, I mean, it was cool. I saw parts of it. I wasn't – I think I was more concerned with some couple other games that were happening. Um, yeah. Main, mainly the, the last big game, which was really the first big game of the day, <laughs> which was Alabama versus Texas, man. Well, I'll, let's – go ahead. Or go ahead. No, well, I was going to say we can we can bring that into this this next part of the <clears throat> discussion, depending on what angle you're coming at that game from. Because our next we've got surprise, disappointment, and then overreaction or overrated. Does that game fit into either of those for you? It can. Yeah, it can. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, my biggest surprise was Texas. And then I yep. can tee you up to say whatever you're about to say. Go for it. Obviously, I, I will take a shot at Texas at any opportunity I get. Um, but I got to say, I was surprised by the Longhorns and how well they played Bama. I was convinced Bama was going to go into Austin and absolutely destroy them. And granted, I was watching... My main TV had Arkansas, South Carolina on during that time slot, but I had that on the Texas Bama game on my iPad. And uh, I'm not going to say a lot about it until after you go, but that was my biggest surprise of the weekend was the Longhorns. What what were your thoughts on that game? I, I was, I'm with you. I was thoroughly impressed with um, Texas. I was like, I'm, I, I felt like, I felt like everybody else. And I was texting some of my, my boys about it. I'm like, Man, yeah, our, Bama should truly cover the spread. It was like minus twenty. Um, they should come in. They should roll through. They should roll through. I mean, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. They should. They should roll through them, boys. Yeah. And um, I, I'm just one. I was impressed by Quinn Ewers because I have been so critical of him, like extremely critical of him, highly annoyed. One, I think I was annoyed because he went to South Lake Carroll. Um, those <laughs> who live in Texas completely understand just the disdain towards South Lake Carroll. Um, then he goes to Ohio state, then he goes to Ohio state. And I mean, cause you know, man, he was, he just came across and this is me being prejudgmental. Um, and I'm admitting it and I need to be better at this. It just came. So if you're not familiar with South Lake, it's a very wealthy area. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're really good at football. Um, and so, you know, he, he came across as the typical South Lake kid, you know, arrogant, my dad probably makes more money than you, and I'm, like, really good at football. I'm rocking the mullet. Then he goes to Ohio State, and he gets the bag. I give him that. Like, he gets the bag. Then he's like, all right, I'm out. And I was like, at that point, when he left Ohio State, I was like, he's soft. Like, dude doesn't want to fight for it. He's soft. And he mm-hmm. goes to Texas where they're going to cater to him. Um, and I just wasn't sold. Like, I saw his high school tape, and I was like, eh, I mean, if you're familiar with Texas high school football, you're like, but it's Southlake. Like, if you can't really put up numbers in that offense as a quarterback, what well, are we doing? And, and to be fair, he got hurt his junior year, so he missed, like, half of the season. And then he didn't play his senior year. He chose to go ahead and go, go to, to Ohio school. State, graduate early right. and go to Ohio State. So, yeah. yeah there's there, And so I say I'll say where that dude was slinging the rock, man. I, I had to, it. I had to eat everything I felt about him. Like, at that moment, I'm like – and I'm, my daughter's having her birthday party, so I'm running around in this hot Florida sun with my phone <laughs> on me trying to, like, watch the game while shaking hands and scooping ice cream. And I'm like, <laughs> dude, this kid, I mean, it's a small sample size, but that kid can sling the rock. And he put Texas in 
I, I'm willing to go on a ledge and say if he doesn't get hurt, I think Texas wins that football game. I mean, the connection between him and Xavier Worthy, you got Bijan Robinson that can keep you honest with the run game. I mean, I think he's out four weeks, I saw this morning. Is that um, what it is? Yeah, I think it's four weeks and maybe a little longer, but a guaranteed four. Like, I hate to see that because I'm like, I hate saying this, Trey. I don't even want to say it. But I'm like, with him at the helm, Texas truly could be back, man. Like, those dudes. And then I think it's also, let's give credit to Gary Patterson. Because um, that defense, you can't tell me he has not had a hand in that. That is not the Texas defense from last year. You cannot tell me. Coach Gary did not have a hand in that because that defense looked. I mean, they were fast. Mm-hmm. They were hitting. They were tough. They were they were physical. I was watching this game like, oh my goodness, it's Bama outmatched. Like I remember thinking, like it's Bama outmatched. Um, now, granted, Bama's I did some research. Some of their like best receivers and stuff were out. Shout out to Bryce Young. I mean, but he did what he was supposed to do. You gave him a Heisman Trophy winner, a shot. But as we texted, I think Bama also got saved on a couple of oh, things. So, of course they did. Good, 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 great game. It lived up way. It lived up to the hype that I think everybody wanted to have. Kudos to Bama for going on a road to actually playing a mid, a early season road game. But um, I think my biggest surprise from that is man, like Texas is man. Texas looked good. They looked really good. And maybe I was too quick to pull the trigger on Sark based upon last year. Well, I look, I I was pleasantly surprised. I don't know if it's pleasantly surprised, but I was surprised by Texas. I even thought the backup Hudson Card held his own. Yeah, Ewers could spin it. I think if Worthy comes down with that touchdown catch that he he threw to him early in the game, that could have been a difference maker. Um I'm not ready to say Texas is back. In fact, even with yours this season, when he comes back, I still think Texas loses two or three conference games. Um, mm. Again, they're still Texas until they show me otherwise. And they lost to Bama. They still lost to Bama. Even if they would have beat Bama, I don't know that it would have changed how I feel about that because it's kind of like A&M last year. A&M goes on to upset Alabama number one team yada 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 but how'd their season finish right Right. and how'd their season start this year so I try not to put too much stock into you know Texas playing Alabama really well I'm sure Sark's been preparing for it he's a former Saban assistant he he knew everything Saban likes to do defensively probably has a little insight at least into what they're trying to do offensively. But bottom line is they're still Texas until yep. they show me otherwise. And they lost Alabama. Yes, it was a close one. And I even said it, man, the polls can't wait to put Texas in the top 10 for losing to Bama by one. And I think they actually put them in like the top 20 or something. Yeah. They're 21 um, right now. And uh, so we'll see, we'll see if they can look in theory, they should run through their conference with an exception of OU and at least be in the conference championship. I don't think they're playing in the conference championship. Um, Hmm. Now on the flip side to that, as a Razorback fan, we are all too familiar with the term Bama privilege. In fact, I have a shirt I designed. I wish I had like the infrastructure in place to like run it and sell it. Cause I probably could have made a killing from Texas fans last weekend, but it's just a flag. 
It's a flag flying in the air and above it says Bama and below it says privilege. And it is what it is. There's no reason that play uh, with Bryce Young in the end zone shouldn't have been a safety. It was either an intentional grounding. It was a fumble out of the end zone. Yep. Like that, that was a safety. And I didn't like, like I said, I was more locked in on another game, but that's just what it is. When you play Bama, you have to beat the officials as well as the team. Um, and like I said, with Arkansas, all too familiar with it. But we'll see. Did you have any other surprises over the weekend? Oh, man. You know I did. Them boys all the way from Boone, North Carolina, mm. go up into College Station, Texas, the 12th man. Did you Have you seen the viral video of, like, the yell yes. hour, what they're saying? Right? Yes. It, makes, yes. it makes Appalachian State upsetting Texas A&M that much you know, I hate Texas. I don't like the University of Texas. But as I grow older, my disdain towards Texas A&M is even, it's just growing, like, large. And I know a lot of people that went to A&M. Like, a ton of people went to A&M. And I'm like, man, if there's not a fan base who gets hype over nothing, like, mm. there's, it's like Texas A&M. And, I mean, you know, we watch Appalachian State, what, we watched them last week when they went – Toe-to-toe with North Carolina, great game. That mm-hmm. I mean, that was a phenomenal game. No defense, but Chase Bryce, man, the the um from the transfer from from Clemson. I mean, I I'm happy for him. I'm like, man, this I bro, I watched him in this game. Now, my first thought was, how the heck did Dabble let this kid get out of Clemson? Mm-hmm. Like, what in the world were they seeing in practice that Dabo was like, mm, I'm gonna let him go, <laughs> like that I'm not gonna fight. Because if you're looking at – because him and DJ, there's not too much of a gap. I think he's a year younger or mm-hmm. – regardless. And no shade towards DJ. You know, I always try to be careful of how critical I am of players, but this is a college football podcast. This doesn't think against him as a person. It's just from what I've seen as a player. I'm like, you can't tell – now, obviously, we don't see practice. But I'm like, if I'm looking at these two products between DJ and Chase Bryce, like, how in the world was – now, maybe mm-hmm. he developed as he got to Appalachian State, but – Man, I just – I feel this way about Appalachian State. And people kept saying, like, A&M could be an upset uh, watch. Because even the, the line for Texas A&M was only, like, minus 19. So it wasn't mm. like – you know, that's a, that's a three-score game, essentially. But I watched that game. And it, it's like Appalachian came into that game expecting to win. Like, there was no, like, oh, we're going to come here, get a check you know, play our starters and try to get out of here. No, it's like they came in prepared to win that game. Yeah. And the funny part is as I'm watching that game with um with every ticking moment and I'm watching Appalachian State like stay in it, I was I was sitting there going, I think they're gonna win this freaking game. <laughs> like I think they're gonna win this. I never felt that way about AM. I wasn't like, oh AM's gonna run with I just kept thinking if you let these boys hang around, mm-hmm. they're going to beat you. Like, they're going to beat you. And, they, man, it was – I'm happy. I loved it. I think it was a great – I always loved the upset. But I love Appalachian State. I mean, it. you know, we never get to live down. It was like the 15th anniversary of them beating Michigan. So, like, we had to hear about that 80 million times. And, and, the, and the you know, it's like how many – every time – it's that's a drinking game. Watch Appalachian State when they play uh, out of count, you know, Power 5 foe and then – you drink every time they talk about how they upset Michigan. Like it's 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 their best talking point. Um, but man, it's 
I think, man, Appalachian State has really put teams on notice. Stop scheduling them. Stop it. Like, because they, they believe they can beat you. Um, I just like what they're doing as a program. I mean, now they're in the Sun Belt. Shout out to the Sun Belt. They got three wins. Goodness, I, I would yeah. be interested to see how Appalachian State grows and if another conference comes and tries to swoop them up eventually, especially in this era of realignment. It's a good brand. Um, we, we remember what they did in the early 2000s when they were Division One mm-hmm. AA. They were – they were yep. North Dakota State before North Dakota State. Yep. Um, good brand, good fan base. It, it's actually shocking how much of a national brand they kind of are. Like, people know who they are. So that was my biggest surprise. Did I did I expect them to win? No, I thought I thought it would be a close game, but I thought at the end A&M should out-talent them to a win. And, man, those boys came to Kyle Field, and, you know, they left with a check and a win. So, man, b- big, big surprise for me on that end. Yeah, um, I have Texas Tech as one of my surprises. They Ooh. they got the upset over Houston against Houston. Now I say upset because Houston was ranked, yeah. but I actually think Tech was favored in the game. So take that how you will. Yeah, because uh, it was at. I'm sorry, Tech was favored. It was at Tech, but huge win for for Joey McGuire. Um, got the win last week. And then comes in number twenty five team, I think is what Houston was. Yeah, they're and 25. um, you know, it was a gritty win. Uh, they're playing with who the guy who started the season as their backup, but he's looking like the starter. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm curious to see how this team continues to to gain confidence and capitalize on on these wins. You know, they actually have the Longhorns here in a couple weeks and. So I'm saying um, there's just a lot of teams in the Big 12 who, you know, their Super Bowl for the season is Texas. Yeah. And it just doesn't seem like Texas is ever ready for that, right? Like Texas was ready this past weekend because that was a Super Bowl for them. They got the number one team, Alabama, coming into Austin. You know, Sark being a former assistant there. I mean, I just – I don't think we're going to get that team again. Because okay. that's that culture thing we talk about in Austin where, you know, the stage almost has to be near perfect to get the best version of that team, yeah. right? Number one team in the country, Saban, former Saban assistant. I mean, all those different sidebars. But right, right. they're just, whether it's culturally, whether it's they're you know, like I always talk about the friends of the program, making things too comfortable and soft. You're just, I don't think we're going to see that team against Texas Tech, against Baylor, against Iowa State, even against OU. They'll come out fired up against OU, but I just don't think we'll see that same team. And you come out just expecting to win on whatever. So we'll see. But that's kind of why I don't think Texas will will actually build on that game, but we'll kind of just, I'm not saying they won't be at towards the top of the conference. They won't, I'm not saying they won't have a winning record. I'm just saying two or three losses. And then the season ends up being a disappointment, you know, two or three conference losses plus the Bama loss. You finish your season, you know, eight and four or seven and five. That's not what people were expecting after a one point loss to Alabama. That's true. They're they're expecting Texas to run through the rest of the schedule because even with the backup quarterback, I mean, he didn't play bad. 
But, you know, I guess they do have that. Well, if we would have had yours, if we would have had yours. Okay, fair enough. He was spinning it. Fair. He was doing well. But so, okay. Uh, and then my only other surprise, you already talked about him, was was the Sun Belt. Um, Love going, him. you know, winning, going 3-0 and against Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Nebraska. I was thinking about that late that night. Hey, if I would have told you when we woke up this morning that the Sun Belt <laughs> would go 3-0 and against A&M, against two top 10 teams and then another power five team would you believe me but uh yeah just a great really statement saturday for that conference so that's it that's all i got for surprises I, i'm ready for disappointment unless you've got another no um i'll i'll rewind the disappointment this hurt my heart this this game hurt my heart because i like this guy trey i want this guy to do well i want him to do and it's Marcus Freeman in Notre Dame losing to Marshall. Mm. And I hate Notre Dame. So from I hate Notre Dame. <laughs> but I really like Marcus Freeman. Um I do, like as an individual, as a person, you know, and I think when he first got hired, we were both kind of like, okay, like I think we both, if I remember correctly, were kind of like, we want to see him do well. Mm-hmm. Um he just seems like a good guy. You know what I mean? Like you look at him, you're like Good guy, did things right, got to go into – you saw the players reacted when he got the job. I mean, that clip mm-hmm. went viral. We're like, look at the culture. And, man, like, you know, it was a disappointing loss to Ohio State. But you kind of give the okay for that because they went on the road in the shoe, which is tough with a brand-new quarterback versus what everyone was deeming probably was going to be the best offense in the country, which has been yet to see. But – to then let Marshall come in to your stadium and not just like upset you, like they like beat you, they mm-hmm. and they beat you soundly. Um, because I think you texted me, you're like, Whoa, Marshall's up at halftime, and that's when I start paying attention. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay, let me see what's going on. And then the two big six pick sixes, I mean, the pick six, and then the, the interception by Buchner, I think, is the QB. and it just, like, the back half of the game I watched, it just looked like Notre Dame was a mess. Like, they looked disorganized. They looked like they didn't want to be there. They looked sloppy. Um, lack of playmakers. Like, it's not what you would expect from a Notre Dame team. I could say all I want to say about Brian Kelly. But I just felt like, man, they just didn't look like they wanted to be there. And it... It, it makes me feel bad, man, because I want Marcus Freeman to do well. And on the other end, it makes me feel good because Michigan's really dipping into some of these recruits that we lost to Notre Dame. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, I mean, these these are 17-, 18-year-old kids. Like, they want to go where you're winning, especially yeah. how I'll talk about that later with Michigan look. But, yeah, that's my biggest disappointment. I feel so bad for Freeman. Like, I want him to win. But I know Notre Dame right now, man, if they haven't already, they're um, they probably at least reached out to Urban. They've had to. Well, I got a couple things because that's also on my disappointment list. Um, First off, I do want to remind everyone that back when Freeman was first hired, I said, and then I said it on the podcast, and then I actually went on and made a separate video about this, Mm -hmm. that if Freeman, I don't know what I said, maybe goes like, Six and six. Yep. You know, five and seven, definitely five and seven, maybe even seven and five. 
I said, I don't think his leash is very long. You did say right? that. Like, I don't think he has the Charlie Weiss leash, which, to be fair, Charlie Weiss came out of the gates, won 10 games, then won nine, you know, whatever. But I just thought that this hire was a placeholder hire. And I didn't mean that as a knock on Marcus Freeman. I meant right. that as what I thought the reality of the Notre Dame situation was. I think they made the hire A because they were trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Because you remember Kelly left and there was still a Time chance. Season, yeah. Um, or I guess some other games still had to play out, so to speak. Right. Yep. Um, and, and then I just, yeah, I mean, I like, I love the viral clip. Um, I just was thinking, man, I don't, I, with urban still floating out there. And then with fickle who I really think is on their speed dial as well, but there was no way he was going to leave last year with his team being in the playoff. Um, I just felt like he was a placeholder. And then you started watching what he was doing in recruiting. You started watching what he was doing from a social media standpoint. And it, it started to appear like, okay, okay. He's, he's, he's proving these, like whether, whether he was a placeholder or not, he's showing that he's the guy. Yep. But then now after this Owen two start, including a loss to Marshall, and then now people are starting to reference back to, the three touchdown lead that they gave up in the Fiesta Bowl, I think, against Oklahoma yeah. State. Here's what I wonder about that program. Okay. And again, our access is very limited, right? We see whatever clips they show us. You know, they did right. the big hangover bit right before the season. I don't know if you remember yep. that they did the hangover bit with Notre Dame football and they were like unveiling a uniform. Um, what do all successful college football programs have in common? Cause there's not that many of them. I'm talking about like the, the success to the level that Notre Dame expects mm-hmm. not, not success, right? Cause it's success can be relative to the program. Standard per se, right? What do all the programs that that maintain the level of success that Notre Dame expects have in common? Is that there is a level of fear in those programs? Sure, the players like the coach. Sure, mm-hmm. the players want to run through a wall for the coach. Mm-hmm. But if you look at Alabama, if you look at Georgia. And this is even getting back to what you're saying about Ohio State has lost, mm-hmm. right? When you talk about teams that have edge, and I'm going to tell you who has this edge I'm talking about is Cincinnati. Like yeah. really watching them play. I mean, it's there is a level of fear, meaning that everyone knows who's in charge and nobody, and I mean no one in that program, wants to disappoint or, or mess up out of fear for what they may get, whether it's from the head coach or the, the, you know, the culture that the head coach has instilled. And so I kind of wonder with Notre Dame where there's so much, yeah, yeah. So much excitement, so much like, like, but is there that level of fear in the program to do exactly what, to offset exactly what you just said, the team they they did, they just, they were just there. They just looked like they didn't even want to, 
You know what I mean? Like Bama, the Bama that showed up for Texas or the Bama that's going to show up for um, Arkansas or Ole Miss or whoever, like that's the same Bama that shows up for Utah State. Yep. You know, same with Georgia. Like those guys fear Kirby Smart. Like there's a reason those guys have such an edge. Um, and, you know, I think there's probably some counter arguments to that, which is fine. But I I wonder if Notre Dame is going to have exactly what you're saying Ohio State lost when Urban left. Yeah. That's what I wonder. Yeah, I don't think so. I just, I think Notre Dame is Notre Dame's biggest problem. Outside of that, as an institution, yeah. um, and it's—I agree with you. And I don't use fear. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's respect. Whatever you want to call it, however you want to frame it. Like I agree. There's this. There's programs where you walk, like when they touch the field, or head coaches. Let me say, because what do we? It, this is a leadership lesson. Leadership it drips, like mm-hmm. it it drips and it leaks, and it, it comes. We always say this: leadership starts at the top. Like when you look at Saban, you can tell Saban's disciplined. There's no if ands, buts, or I believe Nick Saban's probably one of the most disciplined people on this planet. Um, when you when you look at Kirby Smart, he's finally like establishing this discipline. Um, but I I feel like to get those type of guys, you have to be willing to relinquish control. As a as an institution, you have to just say this is yours. Actually, we really answer to you because you can tell me the AD at Alabama isn't running football. That's mm-hmm. Nick Saban. I don't know if Notre Dame – you know who I – Notre Dame to me is like the Cowboys mm. with Jerry Jones being super involved. See, that's what I always say about the Longhorns. Yeah, I, I feel like that's another good one too is the Longhorns. I feel like those two, they kind of get bit by that bug instead of just letting the person do what the person does. They There's too many moving parts and hands in the mix, in the mix instead of just hiring a guy – and letting the guy be the guy. Um, and that's why only certain people, I believe like the only way to have success at Notre Dame is you got to go hire a Luke Fickle. Really, I think you got to go hire Urban Meyer because he comes in instantly. You let Urban be Urban. Um, he establishes the toughness and the culture that you want, and that's that. But, um, I, I mean, I think we'll see what happens, man. I don't think Freeman, Freeman might not make it through the season, bro. If they lose another game. It well, might be lights out early. Yeah, I mean, like, if they drop to BYU, who's a tough one they got coming up. Um, tough one for them, I should say. I, I think the casualty of that is going to be Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator. Um, yeah. But I don't know, man. Like I, like I said, I, I just – because even when I say fear, I don't just mean from players to head coach. I'm saying the assistant coaches. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I remember watching this documentary of uh, Alabama football that they they followed their preseason camp, you know, on ESPN. And it's like anytime Saban would go sit in a position room meetings, it's like the coaches that was presenting, you could tell they were (laughs) like, okay, it's kind of like the teacher when the principal walks in the room, man. It's like you felt like, okay, they they know they better be on their A game. And Saban just sits there like a pit bull. and that that's part of it. Like, that's how, that's what they, yeah, I don't want to go on another tangent, but that's what they said about Bobby Petrino at Arkansas. It was just like, everyone was always a little on edge. And, um, you know, and there was a lot of success during that era. So I don't know. We'll see. 
I mean, unfortunately for Freeman, he's having to learn all of those things kind of on the fly in in that position as the head coach of Notre Dame. I mean, how great would it have been if he had a, had, had he had a chance to, I don't know, go work out some of these kinks somewhere that was a G five school where, you know, like, like a Memphis where there was a good foundation, good recruiting ground where you're going to recruit. Well, you're going to get talent. You're going to do all these, but I don't know, man. Uh, I think my only other disappointment for the weekend was Jimbo Fisher. And you already talked about that game, so I'm not going to rehash it all, but my goodness, as much as he doubled down on things, uh, you know, all off season, I know. And I, I'm, I'm still a little worried just because Arkansas has got them in two weeks. Um, they don't have a quarterback, bro. I know they really don't. don't That's part of what worries me a little bit is, are they going to throw someone out there um, who just ends up kind of like going crazy? Yeah. Just that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just out of the blue. Um, And Arkansas didn't even see it coming, but yeah, I I know they they don't. And really their offensive scheme, it's, you know, it's that outdated version of the pro style we were talking about earlier in the episode, but Anyways, do you have any more disappointments before no, we get that was, to... that was it for me, man. I mean, sad Notre Dame. All right, well, what is your overreaction and or overrated? <sighs> Over... Oh, I did have one last disappointment. I'm sorry, listeners. Iowa-Iowa State. We don't have to stay there. Just how bad of... I can't believe that's Division One football. <laughs> like, I just... I can't believe that's this Division One football. Ten to seven, Trey. Ten to and seven. And Campbell, though, he finally beat him. He right? finally beat him. Ten yeah. to seven, though. It was sorry. That's just a disappointment. I I couldn't walk past that. I couldn't walk past that. Um, overreaction. You know, it was really tough for me to pick one. I think my overreaction a little bit. And I might get crucified for it if I'm being honest. It it really is this USC. Don't get me wrong. I love USC. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't like I might get crucified for this. Um, I'm prepared. And this isn't just for clicks. Like I really was like, because I watched them and I watched them against Stanford. I actually had that game on. And I love Lincoln Riley. I love what he brings. Um, I like Caleb Williams. I mean, the dudes, the, I mean, everything that they had, Jordan Addison is the real deal. Like everything about that offense, when it's humming, it is, mm-hmm. it is like, it is, yeah, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I don't know how else to say it. So it's a, it's a, a well organized machine. But as I'm like scrolling through Twitter and, you know, all the talking heads and everyone's pumped and, you know, USC's back and the West is back and LA's here and back to the peak hero days, I'm almost like, pump the brakes, guys. Like, let's hold on a second here. Like, let's, it's, it's two weeks. It's, and don't get me wrong, like I said, I respect Lincoln Riley, the QB whisperer. I like Caleb Williams. Jordan Addison is everything that's advertised as a wide receiver. I think he'll be the first guy off the board. Actually, excuse me, my personal opinion right now. I'm like, do you take? I believe you take him in front of Jackson Smith Enigma. Like, mm. just what the body of work he was able to put on that pit, and now you're seeing him in a, on a wave 
more explosive offense that gives him a chance to display his skill set a little bit more. You're like, man, what would he have done in something like this for the first? Because he was a freshman All-America. Like, I remember I've watched Jordan Addison over the last couple mm-hmm. years. Won the Belichick Yeah, I mean, the dude's the real deal. But I just want people to slow down on saying, could this team, like, because you know how people get it. It's been some upsets in the first. We're only technically two weeks into this deal. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, my God, Lincoln Riley, can U.S. Did playoff team? Do I doubt it? No, but I'm almost like, let's hold on. Because here's what I, I want people to remember. The Pac-12 is always weird. It's always wonky. And I, I just feel like they're going to find themselves in a game later in the year. Um, which I feel like is kind of Lincoln's thing. I mean, you know, at OU he kind of ran through, but you once or twice a year you're watching. You remember last year we're watching. They should have lost to Nebraska. You're like, okay, they sh- they should have lost to Texas. Like if we're being honest, mm-hmm. and then that game against TCU later in the year, and then that game against Kansas, or was it was it Kansas where they almost got up? Where Kansas played them tight, and I mean, if you looked at the score, it didn't look tight, but it was tight to about seven minutes to go, and then they got like a... So I'm just holding off. I like USC. I like Lincoln Riley. I like Caleb Williams. Hold on, guys. Though. Hold your horses. Because if I'm looking at the body of work of what I've seen Lincoln Riley do, which he is a winner, there's always the two or three games a season where you're like, you should just walk through this team, yet this is a close game and yes they have a lot of talent I just don't know if they're stockpiled just like that yet just to run through everybody um so not saying they're bad I'm just pumped the brakes guys well I have a little bit of a a, a response to that I think um I don't disagree but and I keep trying to come I keep coming back to what I've been saying from the beginning which is Lincoln Riley will replicate at USC exactly what he did at OU. Okay. And so far that's exactly what he's doing. Mm -hmm. What I said would be the kicker on if he could actually compete once he gets into the CFP, because at OU he had no problem getting in the CFP. He was in there three out of five years. Right. Right. And I mean, last year you got to think he's dealing with Rattler and then Williams comes in and saves the day against Texas and then has to kind of figure things out through the rest of the season. Um, mm-hmm. um, and Rattler is kind of showing who he is even more at South Carolina. What I said is, can he build a defense? So let's start there. I think this USC team can make the CFP for the same reasons that his OU teams made the CFP. And it's because... They had the best quarterback in the conference and nobody could keep up with them. Yeah. Period. Nobody in the PAC 12 can keep up with USC. Now, who are the games that could sneak up on them to your point you were just making? Obviously there's Utah. That's going to be, I think a team like Oregon state, um, who's been improving under Jonathan Mm -hmm. Smith. That that's that's a a game that could possibly, I don't think they'll beat them. I just don't. But I think that's one of those ones that could be similar to what you were saying. Where okay, oh this is gonna be a blowout. And then, um, and then of course you have the rivalry with UCLA. 
I mean, I think I've been saying since the offseason that the, the, the three games they have to win are Utah, UCLA, and Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not looking like so much of a – but it is a rivalry. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's what USC's problem is, is their defense is what I call an opportune defense. If you watch that game, which you did, Stanford, every time they got the ball, they drove right down to inside USC's five-yard line and then turned the ball over. Mm-hmm. And there was some similar, I think, I didn't get to watch the Rice game, but I think what you see on paper compared to what was actually happening where they had three pick sixes against uh, Rice, they had like three either fumbles or interceptions when Stanford was inside USC's five-yard line. Then in the second half, Stanford made some adjustments and sort of stalled USC's offense a little bit. Um, But I also think that when you're playing from that far ahead, you get what I'm saying? Like like when USC actually gets into a game where their firepower has to stay engaged and locked in in order to win the game – I just don't see anybody in that conference keeping up with them. Just like the the Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray years at OU. Um, but I'm with you in the standpoint of they are not what they they're, – they're, they're not – they're still not over that hump where they can go compete with, like, Georgia. <laughs> well, I mean, that's yeah. – I don't know anyone is. Yeah. Now, right now, what I would love to see is maybe a first-round Michigan-USC matchup. Cause that would be a like a, a kind of two opposites colliding, mm-hmm. especially with JJ McCarthy having a full season to like continue to. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, I'll get off that. My overreaction is OU fans, uh, and it's funny because <laughs> they went from one end of the spectrum to the other quickly. Um, so they were up seven three against Kent State, and everyone's going, you know, look at what Riley. And at that same time, Riley, uh, USC was absolutely lighting up Stanford. Yep. Uh, uh, Caleb Williams, I think, had four touchdown passes, two to Jordan Addison, threw a seventy five yard bomb. Which you know me, of course, I'm loving seeing Caleb Williams. I need him to just yeah. do this every just week go off, right? for my own personal benefit <laughs> and gain. All the way to the Heisman, Caleb. Let's do it, me and you. Um, and so you see them like starting to, the, the, the fan OU fan base was melting down because they've got seven points against Kent State. Oh, we're playing a high school team. We can't even score. Meanwhile, USC's over there. Da, 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 da. Then they end up winning like I think 33 to 10 or 30 something to 31 to 10. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, you, we've given up less points in the first two games to start a season than we have in the last, I think it's like five, six, or seven years. And so we'll see what OU's got. Well, I guess we'll see against Nebraska possibly if if, if we have a, you know, newly inspired Cornhusker team. But I'm I'm ready to see who shows up in that Red River shootout because that's when you really see what you got out of both of those teams. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's about it from overrated. Yeah, overreaction, overrated. Uh, I mean, overrated, we've already talked about him a little bit, but was there one more I wanted to throw in there? I may. I feel like I had one more overrated we haven't discussed. I'm not 
Oh, uh, freaking Wisconsin, bro. Oh, falling to Washington State. Was it uh, the kid that came out of Incarnate Word? Yes, he big. He he's in the. I mean, he threw I think like yeah. two interceptions yeah, though, so it yeah, wasn't yeah. like he. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, old whiskey. And to your you you made this comment earlier about Minnesota. From a scoreboard perspective, it looks like they're primed for a big season. They just haven't played anybody yet. They haven't played anybody. So, relax. We'll see. All right. Well, let's go week three, kind of like we did last week, right? So, yep. what game – well, is there anything else before we go ahead? Is there anything nope. else from week two you want to – Actually, yes. This is the last okay. thing I'll say about week, week two. Uh, and I can't let it go by without addressing it. So you can fast forward if you don't care. <laughs> JJ McCarthy, man. Mm. I'm I'm not trying to get too hype. It's Hawaii. But me and you were texting during this game. Mm-hmm. This is the objective Michigan fans stepping out and coming out of my fandom. That team looks so much more dangerous with him at the helm. Yep. It looks so like you made a point and I agree. You text me go, there it just looks like they're playing harder. Mm-hmm. When he's in the game, I mean the, and I feel and I you know and now only I'm addressing this because it was big national news. He let Cade start one game, he let mm-hmm. JJ start another, and you even said you're like you feel like he was setting JJ up to do what JJ should do because of the Hawaii defense, which was atrocious by the way. Mm-hmm. I think we'd had a better game if we had to play the top FCS appointed opponent. Yeah. I mean, Hawaii is atrocious. They are yeah. bad. I don't know if they're going to win so bad for Tim. Yeah, I feel so bad for Chang. I feel so bad for Coach Chang. Now, he they stepped are, into a horrible situation. Yes. But, like, yeah, they're bad. They are, they are bad. Like, I was looking at this like, this cannot be a Division One program. They <laughs> are bad. But, in retrospect, when you look at it, J.J. did exactly what you're supposed to do. Um, and, dude, the, the dude is, it's Hawaii, so everyone, I guess this could be an overrated. Michigan fans, pump our brakes. Pump our brakes. Like, I know we're all excited because we haven't seen somebody throw a 50-yard bomb in, like, four years. So that was – that was. I mean, and the kid looked – he did look all-world. He looked like a what a five-star QB is supposed to look like. Mm. Um, he he did everything he was supposed to do. He made the reads. He made the checks. He made the great plays. Um, and and all in all, man, I feel bad for Cade Mac. So this is my swan song for Cade McNamara, and then we can move on going into week three. One, you got to appreciate the kid for what he did. He helped you beat Ohio State for the first time in 10 years. He helped you win a Big Ten championship. Regardless if his numbers were gaudy or not, he was the calming force. And I think Michigan fans have forgotten that he did make big plays down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, when you needed a key throw, Nine, I would give him eight out of ten times. He made the throw. Like I think about Ohio State, he hits the deep ball to CJ that puts him within a field that would puts him in range for Hassan to pound it in. Um, he made some great plays. He was exactly I feel like the perfect gap replacement while you're trying to usher JJ into because JJ wasn't ready to start last mm-hmm. year as a true freshman. We maybe win eight games. Cade wins you some ball games. Um, and I just think it's kind of weird that. Our team like booed him. Um, people booed him when you're like, okay, the guy gave us our best season we've had in a decade. Like, enjoy it. We we can be honest about his deficiencies and what he does not give us. But um, you know, you show respect to him. But 
I'm really excited about the JJ train, man. Like, this is week two. We're going into week three. I mean, it was evident Harbaugh came right into the press conference. They didn't even have to ask him. He just said it. Yes, based upon this game, just FYI so everyone knows, so you don't have to ask me this question, JJ is going to be the starter going into next week, which yeah. is very Harbaugh-ish because he said yeah. going into next week. He yeah, he's going to keep the competition alive. Yeah, like he didn't say forever. He goes, just going into next week, mm-hmm. JJ's just – which shows me Cade's going to get a sh- – and then I have to give Harbaugh this because he did put Cade in behind the backup O-line, and then he – to be fair, he gave Cade a series with the starting O-line because the backup O-line can help him, and he threw a pick right off the bat. I mean, the kid looks frazzled. I feel so bad for him, man. He just looks mentally shook, um, and J.J. looks – the dude looks great, man. So that was huge. I'm excited to see what he does now that he has, what, seven more weeks to play. There's 74 days until we play Ohio State again. The the schedule is very favorable for us. We get Michigan State at home. We get Penn State at home. Um, and I just think, man, these Michigan goes undefeated into that, which is very doable. Mm. I, based upon what I've seen of Ohio State, and you got those guys humming. As we say, momentum is everything. They've proven that they can dominate, Ohio, and they're going to work out some of the kinks. JJ's going to get find what works for him. This very well, Michigan can go undefeated. And I'm saying that objectively as a fan. Like, mm. the horseshoe's not going to be easy to win at. We haven't done that in, like, 20 years. But I think um, he gives you the best chance. And the the beauty of that, Trey, why I'm excited is on the recruiting trail, it is very noticeable. Recruits were very – Dante Moore, the guy we just lost to Oregon, mm-hmm. he tweeted during that game, oh, I love watching J.J. and Donovan. That is a beautiful connection. And – it makes you raise your eyebrow like, hmm, mm-hmm. if Oregon doesn't do what Oregon does, if they don't play so hot this year, and that was always the deal with recruits, quarterbacks, like, are you going to let me do what I do if I come here? Could this be a way mission kind of sneaks in and kind of grabs some, some big time? Because I was super happy to see it, man. It was, it was I had anxiety all day because I'm like, please let this kid be everything we thought he was. And <laughs> he he looked the part, man. So. That's that's all I got for this past week. Yeah, it was fun watching JJ. Well, week three for the listeners. What is the most watchable game that does not feature your team? What game or games are you most looking forward to that does not feature your team? Easy. And a lot of people are sleeping on this game. Washington, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Well, Michigan State at Washington, excuse me. They're mm-hmm. on the road. The game starts at 730, so that's 4.30 West Coast time. Here's why. And I, you and I understand it. One, I'm not big on State this year. We'll see. This is their first really big t- test. I don't know if you watch Washington. I've watched them. Michael Penix Jr. is on fire right yeah. now. And if you don't know, it's the kid who played at Indiana – who took them to the wire against Ohio State for a potential shot at the Big Ten Championship to play for it, at least, during the COVID year. Mm -hmm. When Ohio State was led by Justin Fields, by the way. Like, let's Mm -hmm. put that out there. Phoenix has just had injury, just a terrible injury. He's torn his ACL like two or three times. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited about that because if – I. We, I don't think the secondary is improved in Michigan State. The, the secondary was atrocious last year. I think it's going to be atrocious again this year. And I think uh, Phoenix can 
I think he can light them up and pretty much expose them early because I don't feel like State has the Kenneth Walker that they had last year. That can just they don't have the game the, the one player that can change the game in one play. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I haven't seen it yet. So and then I think this is going to say a lot about really early on is Mel Tucker like a one hit wonder. Mm. Because, you yep. know, Tuck's coming, Tuck's coming, Tuck's coming. And there's been, and I said this after our first week one, I said I don't feel the same energy that I felt last year. Like, I've watched Michigan State play twice, and, yeah, they played some kind of cupcakey teams, but I'm like, it just doesn't have that same aura around it. And I could be wrong, but I think this game is going to prove that. Well, I'm on this Miami A&M. And the main reason why for me is because everything you said about USC in the overreaction segment, I feel like I want to say about Miami. The reason why I'm not going to, though, is because I haven't been able to watch them play yet. Mm -hmm. And they haven't played anybody. So this game, I'm ready to see. Okay, now granted, A&M's coming off a massive upset. So you Mm -hmm. would think they'd be hungry to rebound. Miami's coming in, feeling good about themselves. Um, So that's, I've got that one. And then I've got, um, this is kind of a sneak, a sneaky. It's uh, NC State and Texas Tech. That's going to be a good game. Yeah. So I'm, that one's. That one's got me intrigued. And then the last thing I'm going to say going into week three is Bobby Petrino returns to Fayetteville for the first time since the motorcycle incident. So uh, I'm curious to see, um, curious just to see that from a nostalgia standpoint. I do think Arkansas absolutely just runs the ball right through them. I don't want to underestimate. I think they'll still score and who knows? They may even keep it close possibly just because our secondary is so suspect and Bobby Petrino is a genius at exposing the weakness of a team's defense. And if they don't have one finding a way to scheme something into the something, some points onto the board, but I think Arkansas handles it just fine, but I'm really looking to see what kind of response he gets because there's people right now who are, um, allegedly the student section is trying to order a bunch of neck braces to wear in the student <laughs> section. And it's just crazy. Cause to me, like, I don't, I don't have any ill will towards Petrino as a Razorback fan. Like I, yeah. I'm very much appreciative of the era that he brought. I gained more of an appreciation for him going through the Belama and Chad Morris eras. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so like, I look back and like, I'm kind of fond of the guy and like, you know, want him to do well. I don't want him to beat Arkansas, but, I don't have like this, oh, he's coming back. I'm going to make sure he's, you know, right. yeah, whatever. And he came back to the Little Rock Touchdown Club, and he apologized, and he really lived a lot of things. And if you talk to some of the players, like I've talked to Ryan Mallett, I've had him on a podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, there's not any like bad blood there for sure. So anyways, I know that's featuring the Hogs, but that's kind of a, to me, a, just a college football storyline. Yeah, it is our podcast. Yeah. Um, I think uh, and then, uh, BYU. Go ahead. ahead. Nope, I, go I ahead. was going to say BYU, Oregon. Oh, yeah. That's it. That's it. And here's why. BYU just comes off the big win against Baylor. Last time we saw Oregon, they just got demolished by UGA, as they should have. Yeah. I'm interested to see if Lenning drops two top 25 games. 
mm. what's what's going to be the panic meter out there in Eugene. Because um, we know we live in a very, you get a very short Microwave. leash these days. Ain't? Yeah. Very short leash these days. And I think like, because he, he has a decent recruiting class coming in at Oregon. And particularly, I'm telling you who I've been watching is I'm watching this Dante Moore saga. The kid that's from Detroit, Michigan. He's in Michigan's mm-hmm. background. He picked Oregon over Michigan. And you, as we all know, you don't stop recruiting a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure Michigan's not done recruiting Dante. Now they've moved, put a lot of their chips in Jaden Davis, who's the number one, the number two quarterback in 2024. But Harbaugh, as we have seen, likes a stocked quarterback room. So I'm, I'm. This is why I'm really watching this game because if Oregon drops this game, that's two top twenty-five early losses um, within the span of three weeks, and I wonder if that sends the the smoke signal a little bit for some of these recruits um, out there in Oregon. Like you got demolished by Georgia, and that's kind of understand. I think we were all surprised. We knew Georgia would beat them. We were surprised it was going to be that bad. If you come two weeks later and you don't look improved um, and you lose to be – which is possible because Bo Nix is the starting quarterback. So you just yeah. don't know what Bo you're going to get. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm interested to see that because this – I'm going to go rewatch the BYU-Baylor game. I'm going to go rewatch that. Um, and if BYU does what the little bit I saw that them do against Baylor and they hold Oregon and they beat Oregon, Lenning, man, that's, that's not a good – Thing to start off on, especially when you have the success that you have with Riley going on at USC. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see what happens with Washington when they just, they just got their new co- like. There's a lot of stuff going on in the Pac-12, and I don't feel like Lenny can really afford to kind of get a step behind this early, especially with the talent that he's supposed to have on defense. So that's a big game I'm watching. Hey, call Tommy. When is Ole Miss actually playing somebody like worth watching? Because I, I, I try to keep an eye on them every week because I know he listens and I know he's huge Ole Miss. And I'm like, this week. I mean, at least they got a power five opponent now. But I mean, are they really? I mean, we watched them against Clemson. They don't have an offense. Their defense is horrible. Um, yeah, they don't play anybody until they play Kentucky on the first week of October. Okay, That'd be their so, first like big because they have Georgia Tech, then they have Tulsa. Then um, Kentucky the week after. Okay, so I got a few weeks. Tommy said he's going to continuously text me his takes. Actually, um, even though Good. last episode <laughs> he goes, "I love you," but I'm gonna. He, I think he said something about you this past week. I forgot to send it to you. I'll just screenshot it. <laughs> he, he always has something to say about Arkansas every week. Well, yeah. all I know is that we're one and zero in conference play. We're one and zero against top twenty five. Like. We're playing teams that are in the conference. We're playing teams that were in the CFP. Yeah, we finally got a cupcake in week three. But then right after that, we've got A&M, Bama, BYU. I mean, hopefully he's enjoying playing. Well, this is what know. he – this is what Tommy said. I'll read the last text because he sent me a, a paragraph. Tommy's going to – I know he's going to text me. He said, overall, this will be a step back slash rebuilding season. Our young QBs will need a season or two to play to their potential. We should win seven, eight games. We will fight to be in the top half of the SEC West. Arkansas slash Mississippi State games will decide our season. Last season, Ole Miss really had their best season ever. It was our first time to ever win 10 games in a regular season. After losing so much talent, we need a season to reload. Yeah, that's about – I mean, that's about what I was saying, and that's kind of what I was – alluding to last week but what i was asking for his so thank you tommy because I, I actually think i asked for his you did he said at the top yeah he said, 
Here's my old Miss take requested by Mr. Trey. LOL. Yeah. I'll just yeah. <laughs> he did. I was gonna say I asked. I was curious. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got a I got a hold uh no, a whole I mean, but, dissertation. But, but but look, that's not to me, that's not a delusional fan take. I mean, I think that's pretty fair. And I think where they if this is a rebuilding year or or however, you know, a year to reload, I think they've got the perfect schedule for that. You get Troy. You get Central Arkansas, you get Georgia Tech, and you get Tulsa to start your season. So you immediately yeah. start getting some confidence. Oh, and you have Vanderbilt as a crossover game. So, um, Vandy, then they play Auburn, and they play LSU. Then their last three other four are tough A&M, Bama, Arkansas. Yeah, see, I'm glad we get them late this year. I feel like we play Ole Miss better when we get them late in the season versus like last year where we got them fairly early. I was saying that last year. I was like, if we could have played Bama last year when we played Ole Miss and played Ole Miss when we played Bama, which we almost beat Bama, um, I felt like we, you know, th- th- things could have been a little bit different um, as far as that game was concerned. But yeah, we got them. We got them real late. I don't know though, man. Our our secondary is very suspect, and we lost Catalan for the year. Like I'm. Oh, he's out for the year. He's out for the year. But Ugh. I. I mean, our run game, bro. I mean, we ran for nearly 300 yards against South Carolina. Our our starting running back returning, but I think the guy who's yeah. there now is going to take has has taken the job. But I mean, we got plenty of carries to go around. He hasn't even played yet. So, and I hope we save him for A and M. Like, let's just let him keep getting healthy. Don't need to run him yeah. out there against Missouri State. Hopefully, um, but yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I mean, Auburn's in shambles. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I think before we sign out, I do want to address. So we have a new big time listener. Shout out to Dave Drum. Um, he lives down here in Florida. Big Ohio wow. State guy. Ah, uh, big, okay. big Ohio State guy. We go to church together. Um, here's the funny thing about Dave. And I know you're going to listen, Dave, and you're probably going to swing by my office and say something. <laughs> we got caught in the hallway one day. So Corey, our friend Corey uh, down here was like, he sparked a conversation between Michigan and Ohio State and walked off. And Dave wasn't prepared for me to be a, as objective as I am as a Michigan fan. I think, Trey, you can give me credit. I'm yeah. I'm a pretty objective Michigan fan. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. delusional. So I think that threw him off. Um, so Dave sends me texts, and I appreciate it. But he's probably going to walk past my office. But I do want to address this with Ohio State. I'm looking at him. Can I can I just make an early an early prediction? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Can I make a, can I make an early prediction just for Dave Drum? Oh, it's he's your gonna, podcast. Do what you yeah, want. Yeah, he's gonna be fired up when he sees me. And I'm doing this just for the sake. Ohio State's gonna lose two football games this year. Mm. They're gonna lose two conference games. Mm. They're gonna lose two conference games this year. I'm calling it. I'm calling it. Mm. And I feel. You remember last year? What did I say? I was like, yeah, they're going to lose did. a game this year. They're going to lose. Now I didn't think I thought it was going to be Penn State versus Michigan, but I've watched them, Trey. They and here's and here's my final hot take, and then we you can do whatever, and we can wrap up. Jackson Smith Enigma, we were texting about this, has a hammy issue. Mm-hmm. Now you've had a hammy issue. I've ran track. I've dealt with lingering hammy stuff. The ham. The hamstring is probably one of the worst. A pulled hamstring is one of the worst injuries you could possibly have. Yep. Because it's, like you said, I think last week, if you come back too, even a day too soon, if you don't stretch it just right, if you step on the inner part of your foot the wrong way and you tweak, that thing is a nagging 
I mean, I think about this kid that played Drake Harris, the best wide receiver coming out of high school, and never lived to his potential because of he tore his hamstring one year, pulled the same hamstring next year, and just never he never became who he was because of this hammy. I'm looking at it. He Smith is supposed to be out for three weeks, close to I think they said two to three, which makes sense. Get him through non con, right? They don't play anybody until they play Wisconsin on the 24th, but they should be able to run through them. They need him back by October 8th, which is a full month because they play at Michigan State. I'm gonna. This is why I think they lose two games. I think they drop one, and then I think Smith tweaks the hammy again, and this camp decides to shut it down. Mm. And they the- drop another one. The hamstring too. It depends on you know, and I don't know like but like the higher up the hamstring, the injury, the more careful you have to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm I don't know the specific details of his, but I'm telling you, if this is a high hamstring he's dealing with, yeah, he he may. I mean, it may be a while. I mean, I tore my hamstring twice in the same season. You know, so kind of like your your guy you were just talking about. You know, that was why I never got to be what I. Could have been, you know, I was good for three catches a season and like, you know, <laughs> but I'm saying like, it's one of those things that, and mine was high. Like mine was almost like mine detached from my glute. Ooh, but it, it, but dude, here's what's crazy. Like I say detached. It, it was a, it was a very, very, very small tear, but because of how high it was, you know, and I was so eager. I got to get back. 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 And I remember it was the week of homecoming. I was like, I'm playing this week. And I went out and like the third route I ran, it, 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 it snapped again. And um, I, I'm just saying like, I don't know what it is, where his is. You know, sometimes if it's the lower, you can treat it quicker. It heals faster and it's not quite as nagging. But you start getting up into that, that glute area yep. where you're using that muscle for everything. Um It'll be interesting. So yeah, so I think they dropped two this year. Okay, take that, bold, Dave. Bold prediction. <laughs> I'm a, I, that's all I got. I uh, I'm done, man. Yeah, I'm done. Um, that's it. Hey, I mean, we, I'll, I'll say this: people have been pretty excited that our, our episodes have been longer. Okay, um, good. Because they're because um, even Corey said some Corey Dimmel, not Corey Willis. No, yeah, yeah. He was like, your episodes are longer this season. He said, but it's actually kind of cool, like, because then I just listen through them. I break them out through the week, and by the time I finish an episode, y'all are dropping a new one. Uh, it, it's or, perfect. Like, or it's time for the college football Saturday. Yeah, yeah. You know? it's, it's, like... it's time. So I've heard that from a few people. Like, I actually like the longer episodes this season because by the time you finish one, like you said, it's Saturday. Or they they finish it just enough time that we're dropping our next episode on Monday. So, Well, um, here's my thought. Like everyone's workout playlist gets stale, right? Yep. Everyone's. So you need a couple days in there where you mix it up. So listen to 45 minutes, you know, on your Tuesday workout, and then listen to the other 45 minutes on your Wednesday workout. And now that's gotten you through those, Thursday. those, those, yeah, <laughs> those, those, those are like the grit days. Cause usually you're probably doing legs one of those two days. And then, you know, then get back to your playlist Thursday, Friday, and then next thing you know, or do 20 minutes a day, you know. Yeah, it's Tommy's ride to work. He told me, he's like, I listen to this on his, it's his work back and forth. It's his commute listen, which, hey, I love it. So by the end of the week, he's gone through an episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, 
Um, that's all I got. Sorry, I just got an alert. It said, is poor internet affecting flow? I don't think it is. No, I guess no, the no. listeners can let us know. Listeners, is our poor internet, you know, as we do this podcast, <laughs> affecting flow? But, all right. Well, we'll, we'll holler at y'all next week. Um, that's it, man. Let's get it. Week three. Here we go. Here we go. Winners, enjoy your victories. Losers, rest in your laurels. And I'm going to retract my statement from last week. You can't text us because you're going to do it anyways. So do it anyways. Hey, we love you guys. Peace. College football. I love March Madness. Man, I love.